Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their strategies and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. This episode is about a guy who came up with an idea for a startup after noticing that many freelancers were struggling with a specific problem. And then he realized that Airbnb hosts and Uber drivers were also dealing with the same problem. So he set out to build a product that would solve that problem. Now, the product wasn't an overnight success, but the feedback from the market was positive enough to keep going. Today, his product has over 100,000 users and is continuing to grow. Most of the growth has been driven through content marketing. But he didn't just create content, he put just as much effort into distributing that content. So in this interview, we explore how he made content marketing work for his business, and we look at how he's built a business within the Uber and Airbnb ecosystems and beyond, and how that has turned out to be a successful business model. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Today's guest is the co-founder and CEO of Hurdler, a mobile app for independent workers, freelancers, and solopreneurs uh, to seamlessly manage their business finances. It tracks all of your income streams, expenses, and tax deductions in real time and on the go. Previously, my guest was the founder and CEO of Visual Homes, a software company focused on property management and real estate solutions, which he built and sold after 10 years. Hurdler was founded in 2012 and is based in the Washington, D.C. area. So today, I'd like to welcome Raj Paskar. Raj, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on board, Omar. I really appreciate it. So let's talk about you first. Tell me a little bit about what gets you out of bed, what drives and motivates you. Do you have a favorite quote? I do. Uh, and I'm not uh, sure it's a quote uh, more than a, a motto that I live by. And that's, I'm the same person inside my house as I am when I walk out the front door. Uh, and what I mean by that is that uh, you don't get two Rajas. Uh, there's no business Raj and and personal Raj. It's I have one set of values and I apply that to my entire life. That's, that's interesting. Why is that important for you? So I had my uh, prior venture for 10 years, 10 years and two months, and I've been at this one five years. And um, I just turned 40 a uh, uh, few months ago. And I think in that, in that short amount of time, I've seen uh, there are a lot of folks out there who will do anything uh, for money. Uh, things that often I, I think uh, that compromise your values and you have folks that, um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of angel investments, I've done about 40 and uh, I'm not active anymore. I'm focused on my venture, but I've come across quite a few characters um, who I, I'd say do even fraudulent things. And I just decided uh, years ago that uh, I like talking about this because I think if ever, if more people operated like this. And I think majority of people do. Um, and, and it became more of a, a known thing, um, a way that people live like good karma, then, uh, I think things would, uh, in general, people would be happier. I gave the audience a little explanation about Hurdler. 
Uh, can you tell us in your own words, what is the problem that you're trying to solve here? Sure. Uh, so Hurdler uh, is for any entrepreneur, freelancer, or independent uh, professional or contractor that's essentially running their own business or uh, or has a side gig income. Um, and that side gig income could be driving for Uber, it could be doing freelance projects, could be that you're an Airbnb host, any other income that's coming on the side outside of any uh, uh, full-time uh, like payroll job that you have. And the premise, uh, value prop, was to provide a product that made it easy for entrepreneurs to know their real-time business-related finances. Um, and for many of these folks, their business finances are so commingled with their personal finances that they really need to know everything um, so they can do better business and personal uh, uh, financial decision-making uh, for the future. And so we kind of... That's kind of what we led with, and um, one of the key things we built was a real-time income tax calculation engine that, um, the real power of that is that uh, for all of your income that hasn't been pre-taxed, so any, you know, if you're a full-time uh, worker and you get, a, you get a monthly or bi-weekly paycheck from your company, that's already been, uh, taxes have already been withheld. But everything else, whether it's your investments or, or side gigs, those don't come pre-taxed. So you need to set aside the right amount of taxes. And there are just so many folks who are caught um, holding the bag at the end of the year. Um, they've overspent and they don't even have enough to pay their tax requirements. Uh, I want to talk about Hurdler and kind of start the story from, you know, how you guys came up with the idea. But before we do that, let's kind of go back to, you know, 10 years earlier and when you started your previous business, Visual Homes, and, and you kind of ran that business for, for 10 years before you sold it. So can you tell us a, a little bit about what that business was doing and, and how you, you got into running that business? Sure. Um, so Visual Homes was a, a financial and compliance management platform for uh, affordable housing, subsidized housing. Um, so any housing that um, the U.S. government uh, provides uh, subsidies for. And so our clients were primarily public and affordable housing agencies all around the country. Um, and we built that from, um, well, we built it up to about a half a million units managed on the platform. And units would be units of uh, housing units, uh, homes. And... Uh, so half a million units of housing, a um, couple million residents managed on the platform, and then we were processing around 200 million in monthly rental payments. And that's for affordable housing. So if it was uh, market rate housing, it would have been closer to a billion in monthly rental payments. Wow. Um, so these were pretty big financial systems um, that the agencies were using to run their entire back office operations. And some of our largest clients had over 500 users. They would use this daily, like more than they would use email. How, how did you, how did you get into this business? Did you have a, a background in property management or like, how, how did you start? Uh, I didn't have any, uh, any background in property management. So we, we actually bought a small software company that was doing this for small agencies, uh, did a deal where it didn't require any capital up front. And 
developed a quick plan to take it to medium to large agencies um, and while upgrading the technology. So initially started off with uh, doing development in India, outsourcing, and and then trying to get uh, a larger housing agency to uh, to be the early adopter of that. So did you have the same co-founder for that business as you have now? <laughs> you know, I'm laughing. Uh, so my brother is my co-founder on this uh, startup and he's nine years younger than me. So I recently turned 40, so he's 31. Uh, I was 23 um, at the time. So <laughs> I guess he would have, uh, he would have been 14. Um, so not exactly. Well, it's never too young to start. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk I'm not about sure that. He was even interested in business at the time. He was definitely into computers, much more so than I was. Uh, ironically, yeah. That, that, I definitely want to talk about how you guys kind of decided to to work together and how that's that's going. Okay, so so Visual Homes, uh, you 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 built that business for for ten years, and and then. How did the opportunity to sell that business come about? So uh, the company we got acquired by, uh, Yardi, is uh, it's a quiet company, but it's, it's, it's a dominant player in the real estate tech market. It has half of all U.S. apartment buildings, multifamily apartment buildings, using its software. Wow. Um, through, that's through property management companies that, that do all the management of the buildings. Uh, so it's it's the leader in the space, um, and they do um, they now do like every single vertical of property management or um, real estate management. Um, so they do multifamily, commercial, and even uh, they have an investment management platform for REITs. Um, but even in, within multifamily, they do military housing, senior housing, affordable housing, uh, public housing. Um, every kind they do now. Uh, so for, um, we have very, uh, we had top notch, uh, uh, regulatory logic, uh, and we had an excellent reputation in the industry. So for them, it was, uh, I think it was, uh, just a solid fit. So did you, did you go out looking to, to sell the company or, or did they approach you? Uh, I think it was a mix. I mean, we knew of them, they knew of us. Uh, we've had, we actually, uh, had, um, conversations with Yardi over a two-year period, on and off. Like, why did you decide to sell it? Were you kind of feeling like, okay, in terms of it was an offer too good to turn down, or you you'd kind of just felt like you had had enough and were looking to to move on and do something different? Generally, there's a number of factors um, that go into it, but I think uh, at the end of the day, it made made excellent business sense. You know, when we look back that when we decided to to partner with Yardi, it seemed like all the synergies were just were just solid, like perfect match. And now I can say like even six and a half years later, like that's true. Like that is definitely true because everyone's still there. And I think that's a for me, that's a bigger definition of success than, you know, what the financials were. Financials were solid as well, but that's not like at least for me, that's not really a key driver. I know you you don't talk about how much you sold that business for, but can you kind of give us maybe a sense in terms of you know how things changed for you? Sure. Um, so nothing really changed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and 
it's pretty funny. Uh, so I uh, have a, 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 to this day, six and a half years later, I have the same car I was driving then. Um, and uh, I will say the only two things I've, I've bought since um, were, uh, were a house because, I, well, an engagement ring because um, I, I got married and, uh, and then a house. Uh, now I have a one-year-old. But those two things are going to happen whether the business exited or not. They're independent of that. And I try to stay low-key. For those things, uh, not much changed. Um, beyond that, it's, you know, it's 10 years and 10 years is not a short period. Um, but what I, what I look back, uh, what I liked is, uh, and I'm doing this with hurdlers, I really enjoyed building something that lasts. I, I see a lot of um, startups that... Um, Either they don't last or it's more like a house of cards and you pull one little thing out and the whole thing falls apart. And visual homes, we had like every single department. We had clients live, we had communities relying on this at the end of the day. It's citizens in need are relying on, on the platform. Um, and that's something we're doing here. Here we're, um, we're helping out another sector and it's entrepreneurs. So we can't mess up financials and that's... Um, so I knew when we wanted to do another venture, it's, uh, we wanted to do financials because we have a strong suit in finances and compliance. How did you come up with the idea for this business? So my prior venture was, uh, at the end of the day, it was a financial management platform, but it was for uh, large agencies that were helping citizens. So here um, we started off that I wanted to do another financial management platform, uh, but something more consumerish. We initially, uh, the idea was to just to build a small business uh, accounting system, but modernized for mobile, like a mobile accounting system. And and part of that is there's a few things going on. Like it's our background, but also like I was saying, my guys, that's their strong suit. So we could we could do that. We could pull that off. Um, the other thing was that after I'd exited the company, I took a survey of the land out there, and nothing had really changed. In the, in the accounting and finance world other than, you know, software moved from your desktop to the cloud, but that didn't really matter. I mean, that didn't really change much. It wasn't even the cloud at the time. It was just software to the web, but mobile was going to be that big thing. And, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's obvious now, but like so many years ago, people weren't gung ho. Majority of people I surveyed had no interest in doing their finances on their phone. It was laughable um, when we started building the back end. So you saw, you, I guess you, you still did that, even though if it was laughable, you, you kind of saw the, the trend in terms of what was happening with mobile and, and the potential long-term opportunity there. Yes, definitely. And so we built a small business accounting system in mobile and I took it to 25 of my entrepreneur friends that have different types of businesses. Those were my, my first users of that of that system that we never made public. It was from that that we ended up focusing mostly on solopreneurs and freelancers and not small businesses with multiple employees. What, what did you learn by having those 25 entrepreneur friends using the product? And specifically, I'm interested in how did that change your plans? Well, there's two things. First is that we realized that whether we went after the small business with multiple employees or the solopreneur, we had to win over the, the entrepreneur, the CEO. But if 
the CEO had a team, had a controller, an accountant, and other employees, we also had to win them over, which is a lot more work. So that was one thing. And then the second thing was uh, literally our first pilot user, one of my friends uh, had emailed us one, one night. He was in uh, Colorado and uh, he was using our app with a, and he, he'd had dinner with a friend who was another business owner. And um, he took, uh, he was taking care of the bill. And he took, he pulled out his phone with our app, took a picture of the receipt, and his friend was asking what he was doing. And, and he showed him our app. And that was, uh, that was beta at that time. And showed him all the different features. And, and that guy um, loved the app and suggested that this would be a great app for his 3,000 real estate agents of his brokerage. And he was the Keller Williams uh, franchise owner. When he shared that, when my pilot user shared that info with us, we did a little more research and we, you know, the real estate agents, of course, are 1099 folks. And then anytime you type in at that time, 1099, Uber and Airbnb popped up. Can you, can you just explain for people who are kind of outside of the U.S. what a 1099 is? Sure. Uh, 1099 um, is a, it's a tax form, but now people use that term often to describe folks that are not on a payroll um, that get paid by these other companies. Um, and when you get paid via 1099 uh, method, you, you're on the hook for paying your own taxes. Cool. Um, so in that, in that one weekend, um, that's where, so we had already been thinking of, we're going to go after solopreneurs and then we figured out our initial target markets, which were Uber drivers, Airbnb hosts, and real estate agents, all very different. And did you decide to tackle all three of those verticals at once or did you pick one first and say, let's start here? So we, we did all it's yes and no. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty tricky because, uh, so we publicly were tackling Uber and Airbnb at the same time. Privately, we were tackling those two plus real estate agents. So real estate agents was a lot, uh, anything in real estate generally takes a much longer time period. So uh, that was something I was working on in the background while my growth team was focused on Uber and Airbnb. Were, were there big differences between the requirements of these people in these different verticals? Or were you able to kind of establish a common denominator and say, okay, we can kind of simplify the product development by uh, maybe coming down with, you know, kind of focusing on a, a simplified feature set. So it's easier for us to kind of tackle across these three vertical segments or did you not do that and just say, we're just going to do whatever we need to do in each vertical. How how did you approach that? So we have a a core uh, engine we like to call our profit and tax engine that that core engine is used for um, all verticals. And then we tailor the user experience for the vertical with a, each vertical has unique uh, features on top of that engine. So for example, a real estate agent, their user experience is uh, focused uh, a little bit more around their listings, like their clients and the profit and loss um, by client and their commissions versus an Uber driver is focused more around uh, their driving and mileage and um, their driving expenses. Versus Airbnb hosts, again, is back to uh, how much money they're making on their property. Okay. But they're all using the same engine because the most of the tax consequences are the same. Got it. And for, 
And now there's the trend, of course, of the modern entrepreneur has multiple income streams. So the way we designed our system is you can see your profit by each income stream. So you could say, well, I'm making good, great money on Airbnb, not so much on Uber, but my freelance business is doing very well. Yeah. And, and I'm getting a realtor's license as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Um, all right. So you, you, you kind of had these 25 friends who started to use the product and, and gave you some feedback and then you decided to focus on the Uber, Airbnb and the, the realtors. Let's talk about some kind of growth tactics that you guys used to get the word out about Hurdler. Um, so maybe we can start with Uber. Um, so my head of growth came up with a, with a strategy um, that leveraged a, a bit of content marketing. And so what we did was we created a blog post for the top 16 tax deductions for Uber drivers. That was the easy part. Creating a blog post is no big deal. You can write it yourself or hire a freelance writer to do it fairly quickly and cheaply. The hard part is you have to market the blog post. So it's kind of funny. You're creating a blog, you're creating a blog post to market your product ultimately, but at the end of the day, you have to market that blog post. Um, so you're always marketing. Um, and so what he did was he made friends with every single Facebook, uh, every single admin of a Facebook, Reddit, and subreddit group that targeted Uber drivers. Those admins were drivers themselves, and they loved the value prop of this app that we were developing for them. And so all of them agreed to pin the blog post to their groups, to the top of the groups, um, for a two-week period, and he got them all to do it during the same two-week period. And that was the hard work. That was the um, the real thing, and that's where we got uh, about 3,000 uh, Uber drivers signed up. couple of lessons here that I think we should kind of call out. One is the importance of not just creating, there's a lot of talk out there about creating uh, unique content and something that is really going to be high quality and, you know, all of the, all of the things that we sort of hear about content, but what I'm hearing from you, and I think it's it's sort of a piece which is often uh, a, a little less talked about, is you can't just create this content, hit publish, and then sit back and expect things to happen. Well, sometimes they might, but most of the times it probably won't. And so you probably need to spend more time distributing and figuring out how you're going to market the content which is then going to market your product, then you spent kind of creating it. And so, you know, you talked about, um, you know, your, 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 your head of growth kind of going out and, and making friends with admins of Facebook groups and Reddits and subreddit. Like, what does that mean? Like, what was he doing? Well, so he was, uh, I think we call it cold calling 2.0. <laughs> You're hitting them up either through chat or connection requests and, and talking with them online, uh, mostly, uh, I'll say, character-based uh, communications, so email or chat um, and maybe some video calls um, to really um, 
really um, get to know them and, and, and talk about the value of the app and, and also figure out how we can help their own groups. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's hustling, but with good intent. And, and that's the thing, like if you lead with a value prop and it's a shared value prop, then people are happy to work together. Okay, so you, you had that and you got about 3,000 uh, Uber drivers signing up. What else did you do to, to find users? Sure. So from there, we actually we actually uh, produced a 20-page financial pl- financial and tax planning guide for Uber drivers, and we promoted that to the same folks, to the same admins, but as well as these 3,000 that signed up, and we picked up another 5,000 drivers. So we were at 8,000. So I almost tripled um, the base. And from that group, we uh, we surveyed users and we picked out. Uh, 200 folks um, to be the first early users of our app. So, so at that time when people were signing up, uh, I, I should have clarified this because when people, you said 3,000 people signed up um, from the the uh, tax deduction blog post and then another 5,000 from the financial planning guide, these people were kind of giving you an email address at the time, right? They, they were downloading the app. Correct. That's correct. And so we notified those folks, the early folks, got them on board. And then from there, kind of, um, we started getting more and more users on board. And most of our growth was organic. Um, a couple of times we got a push from uh, a couple of Uber cities um, themselves sending out direct uh, email um, promotion um, to download our app. Uh, they love that it's a free app as well. And... Uh, because it helps drivers maximize their income, really. It's taking care of all your deductions, uh, tracking all your uh, expenses as well, and giving you real-time tax estimates. There's no other app that gives real-time tax estimates. There still isn't. And and so that's a, a something that's very important um, for people to have. Um, and so it, kinda, it grew from there, um, and folks are referring, referring out our app, word of mouth, like, um, you hear that all the time in marketing, like how can you create word of mouth? Well, if you create value and, and you really uh, please your users, that's how you can create word of mouth. You also have to make it easy for folks to refer um, you or your product. Um, so we have little things uh, in the app that, that help do that, which is common in many mobile apps. And so can you maybe just give me like one example of, of something maybe that people were struggling with when they, in maybe in the earlier days when they were using the app? Sure. Um, so one of the key things is uh, in our app is uh, to, if you want to automate expense tracking, the only way you can automate tracking expenses is to link our app with your, uh, the credit card or bank account where you, where you charge your expenses to. And so a lot of, you know, there's a good amount of folks who don't want to do that. Uh, for for any number of reasons. There's got to be trust, right? Sure. Um, so how do we build that trust in a short amount of time? Um, because there literally is no other way to automate expense tracking. You can't automate it if you don't have uh, data feed. And that was actually one of the, the mistakes I think uh, we made early on. And we made it early on because I directed uh, I directed my guys that we have to have, I want it to be automated before we go out. Because that's what I want as an entrepreneur. I don't want to just have a good-looking spreadsheet functionality on your phone where you have to enter anything. I want something that saves me time and money. And and so why why was that a mistake? 
because I wouldn't let them release a, like an MVP that had all manual tracking. It had to be automated. And so what, what was the impact of that, that you, it just took longer? Yeah, it took a bit longer for us to release. And, uh, you know, we could have been out there sooner because there, there, there were a lot of folks who preferred manual tracking because they didn't want to link their bank account. It was amazing. To me, it, it didn't seem obvious, even though, of course, it's obvious after the fact. Now, the product, the app is free and you, you generate revenue through other, other means. And we can kind of talk about that in a second. One thing I wanted to talk to you about was when I look through your site and look through the FAQ, there's, there's one kind of question which talks about like, how much does this cost? And it says, you know, Hurdler is currently free. And one of the things that I've noticed lately with, with some businesses who sort of go down this model is they kind of have a, you know, forever free, right? In terms of you're going to sign up and in terms of whatever the basic offering is, that's always going to be free. And so maybe I think of like Trello as an example of that and they, they do that very well. But then on top of that, they provide um, value add type services they may provide specific features that are more relevant for teams or for enterprise customers and those are the things that they charge for but when you go in there they're kind of very explicit that look this kind of the base functionality is always going to be free and i didn't see anything like that on hurdler and when it kind of said currently it was like okay are these guys at some point going to start charging for this product and if i wasn't a uh you know an uber driver or somebody who sees some value here am i going to be concerned that i've kind of invested all of this time to get this information in here and then in a few months time i'm going to have to pay something every month that i didn't expect to or want to so what is your thinking around that and and Am I just making an issue about something that hasn't been an issue for you guys? <laughs> well, I don't think it's been an issue for us. Um, that being said, I am sure that there is some percentage of folks um, who fall into that bucket who need uh, absolute clarity before uh, moving forward. The way we operate, like if I tie it back to like my personal motto, like I'm the same person inside my house as I am when I walk out the front door, and that means I won't do anything to make money. Um, that's part of my core values. Um, so if we switch to a, a paid model where the user had to pay to use the product, um, even then there would be not only, uh, months of advance notice, but they would still have the ability to extract their data. And in fact, in our, in our app, we actually, uh, allow users to sync, uh, with their personal cloud. So with their Google Drive, Dropbox, Box, even Microsoft uh, OneDrive. So all their reports and, and uh, the, that financial data is already stored in their personal cloud. So we don't hold any of their data hostage at all. Um, and that's not something we would do. And we have folks like, you know, a lot of Uber drivers, uh, they're online maybe a few months out of the year and uh, because they're in between jobs and it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great, uh, gig to do when you're in between jobs because you still have 
fixed, you know, ongoing payments they have to make for living expenses, uh, rent, mortgage, or or food, or, and um, and so they'll come back uh, towards the end of the year when it's time to file taxes, and uh, email from the app, just email their tax report data directly to their accountant or tax filer, and so that's something that would always be there. But yeah, uh, we haven't seen an issue. That being said, we also have not, we haven't committed yet to saying forever free. I wouldn't be surprised if we end up doing that. So the app is free and you have over 100,000 users. Can you explain how you're generating revenue? Sure. Um, so we've, uh, this this past uh, tax filing season, we, we rolled out a tax filing service in conjunction with H&R Block and users who who use that service um, leveraging the data they were already tracking in hurdler um, it got them somewhere between 40 to 50 percent complete with their tax filing process and uh, saved them a lot quite a bit of time and we got them an excellent rate on the filing as well and for folks who use that h&r block uh, uh, we'd share a little bit in uh, in the filing fee um, and i think uh, so i'll call that a value-added service and i think uh, you know, we'll probably launch uh, a few more things just like that um, in the next year. And then, so that's one revenue stream or a bucket of revenue streams. And then the second is that our whole platform, including our mobile apps, actually consume our own API. HR Block was the first company to use our API. Um, and and we have a few more companies um, that, are, uh, that are using it right now that we haven't announced. And I think you'll see uh, some big companies maybe financial institutions leveraging our API to provide value-added services to their clients, similar target users that we have, uh, but they'll be doing their own distribution and white labeling. Um, and so we'll be compensated through that, through the consumption of our API. All right, uh, let's get on to the lightning round. Uh, I'm going to ask you seven questions. Uh, just try to answer them as quickly as you can. You ready? Sounds good. Sure. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Focus. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Uh, the One Thing uh, by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan. Uh, actually, it's about focus. <laughs> yeah, it's a good book. Uh, what's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? So I won't use focus, focus. Um, but that, that is a theme with me, but I'll say you got to be hungry. I mean, you've got to be really hungry. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? Well, uh, I don't know if you count like working out. I work out quite a bit. Um, for me, I like to think through things as I'm running uh, and, and often, uh, almost always, like if I don't have a particular item to think through while I'm running uh, before I go on a run, um, I'll ask my team members if they want me to work something out for them before I go on the run so I can work it out while I'm running. And sometimes I'm thinking so deeply during the run that I almost get hit by a car. <laughs> wow. Uh, like if it's in D.C., like in the city. Yeah, not not the probably the best place to yeah. get into flow while you're running. <laughs> Definitely. So it's better to hit some trails. But so it's a little hack that so I'm just thinking through. So I'm still working in my mind. What's a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time? I don't. Focus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I do one at a time. I don't even, I don't consider myself a serial entrepreneur. I've had one prior venture. Uh, the only way I could be considered serial is if you include all the different things I did to earn cash while I was in elementary, middle, and high school, um, which I don't count those. Um, so it, one at a time. Do you get Do you get a lot of ideas for other things that you could be doing? I mean, I, I hear that a lot, and personally, I get that as well, that I'm working on one thing and I know I should be focused, but then another idea comes up and it's so exciting. Yeah, shiny. That's the shiny new object. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta resist the temptation. So do you do you do you suffer from that or? I don't. Now it's not to say that I never have in my life. Early on in my prior venture, I probably did, but it it takes some work, I think. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? I was kidnapped by a taxi driver in India in when I was seventeen. You serious? Oh my it God. only lasted about 30 minutes, but that was a long 30 minutes. Wow. <laughs> I'll say, I mean, the if I want to sensationalize it, I'll say my family rescued me. Um, but I'll just leave it as I got lucky. Wow. Wow. And now finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work? It, so does, uh, so I'm, I don't know if this counts. Uh, I mean, I'm literally focused on... <laughs> So this is the first time in my life I've actually had two ventures going on. That's, you know, I have Hurdler and then I have my one-year-old, uh, <laughs> 15-month-old. Actually, we had the 15-month checkup earlier today. Um, and so that's um, my competing interest uh, for the first time with, uh, with Venture. Um, because, you know, with my wife, she knows, like, you know, we, we, uh, we work well together. And he, he doesn't, you know, he, my son just calls all the audibles. Right now, I mean, that's the, that's, you know, when I'm driving home uh, from work at night, uh, I'm getting myself together um, for prime time, right? Uh, so uh, it's, it's to bring my hay game home to, uh, you know, that, that final hour before he goes to sleep, I call it turn down service. It's for me to just entertain him nonstop because if you slip for a few seconds, you might turn the other way. <laughs> and, uh, it's, uh, yeah, you gotta, it takes a lot of energy. Um, so that's it. Beyond that, uh, I like to play basketball full court. Um, and and uh, I only started playing actively like five to seven years ago. So I was probably, I should be playing golf right now, but I'm like 10, 10 15 years behind uh, <laughs> yeah. on those kind of things. So, so I actually think I'm still improving. Um, <laughs> which that's is, funny. It's kind of strange. But. Awesome. Raj, thanks. It, it, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been uh, it's re- it's been really great to 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 sort of get to know you better and and sort of hear the story of Hurdler and and what you're up to there. Um, like I said, I I really I, I've been really impressed with kind of just getting to know you and and sort of what you've talked about with your values, and I think that is something that is so important and it's so easy I think for many of us just to um you know kind of forget some of those things and especially in a very um competitive or pressure driven kind of environment where you've got to generate revenue or whatever that is and um so I love kind of you know um seeing how how important that is to you to to sort of have the integrity and 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 you know maintain your values um, if, if, uh, folks want to find out more about Hurdler, 
they can go to hurdler.com and that is H-U-R-D-L-R.com. And you can download the app from the Apple Store or there's an Android version as well. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? So in our Hurdler app, we have in-app chat, live in-app chat. That's the best place to reach me. Okay, that's a, that's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, something I took from prior venture in terms of providing like solid service. So we're a mobile app that has a service like you, like you talked about, like folks probably have questions about things that we have a customer success team uh, led by a CPA that answers those questions. Wow. Hey, Omar, I really appreciate you having me on board. And, um, you know, anytime I can help you out with anything, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I'd, uh, you know, love to stay in touch. And and maybe once you've got your kind of API business announcements out, maybe we'll get you back and talk about what you've been up to there. It sounds some like you've got some interesting things planned. Definitely. That sounds great. Awesome. Thanks, Roger. Wish you all the best. Thank you. Cheers. You